All right, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go to First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. Today I'm going to be preaching a message that is, I guess you could say, a little politically motivated. Alright, we've got election day coming up, and I'm telling you, I'm thankful. I was, I'm thankful for our our right and our ability to vote and to choose our leaders. I'm thrilled to death we're able to do that. I'm horrified at who we have to vote for. I keep I look at these candidates and I'm thinking what we can't do better than this right here. And you know maybe I shouldn't talk too much because I haven't ran for anything yet. But uh, good night if it keeps going downhill the way it does. I might have to think about it one of these days. And I don't I don't think it would go too well for me. But you know you sometimes like well you at least got to try. And uh, it would just I'd just love to hear somebody just get out there and just talk and actually make some sense. And uh, they don't. And there, there's so much lying that goes on. And you know, I'm going to share something with you because they sent this to our church in the mail. But I got one of these things in the mail, and it's a good thing none of the candidates sent them. Otherwise, I would have read it to you uh, and showed you what it says. But one of the things we're voting on is the one percent sales tax increase in Whiteside County. Okay, I'm going to read this because they sent this to us. All right, so I think this is totally appropriate for me to share this with you. But um, because so these things that you get in the mail, they they lie. And here's the thing, you know, I was talking to my wife about this, and I said, "Do they think that we are all stupid?" And and I'm not talking about just with this thing here, but just all this stuff that they're sending. Do they think we're stupid? And I think the answer is not only yes, they think we're stupid, but yes, we are stupid because these tactics work all the time. And I just want to read this to you. Because the reason we fall for this stuff is most people don't really know what they believe when it comes to governments and how they should be run, and especially what the Bible says about governments. But it says, so you know, this is for a sales tax increase. All right. Well, we all we're all against tax increases, aren't we? Especially sales tax increase. But think about this: this is not an additional tax. It's designed to shift the cost of school maintenance from property tax. To sales tax. This is viewed as a fairer tax. Whenever the government says fair, I get nervous. Okay, a fairer tax since everyone pays, not just a property owner. Okay. Now, first of all, I would like to say, why does everybody have to pay taxes for schools? What if they don't have kids to go to those schools? I pay money for curriculum to homeschool my kids, and. I don't send them there, so why do I got to pay for both? And I am paying for both. But here, so let's make everybody pay. People from I don't I don't see why people from outside of town should pay for our schools when they're already paying for their own schools. But that's just me. But everybody, not just property owners. And did you know that everybody pays property tax, even if they're not a homeowner? Because when you rent a house, do you think that that guy is renting you that house and he's just eating the taxes himself and not making you cover that in your rent? You're covering it in your rent, and if your tax, tax, if his taxes go up, your rent's going to go up too. But uh, people don't think about this. But your property taxes will decrease. The average ninety-two thousand dollar home will see a hundred and fifty dollar decrease in the school portion of your property taxes. Now, first of all, I doubt it. But second of all, even if that's true, that would be great. 
Okay, I'd love to see my property taxes go down. I think they're way too high. I would love to see them go down, but it just says in, the way it says in the school portion. I got a feeling that amount's going to be shifted somewhere else. But I don't know. But let's give them that that that's going down. Well, here's what we were kind of doing, and this is what most people will do. We were thinking with the additional one percent sales tax, how much money do we spend? How much money would we have to spend around here to pay more than one hundred fifty dollars extra in taxes? And it's a lot. For us, for example, I'm pretty sure we would do better with a $150 decrease in our property taxes. But here's the thing. Well, let's read the rest of it. Every time a person shops in Whiteside County, they will pay one penny for every dollar spent. It is estimated that 30% of the tax will come from non-residents who shop in the county. That money will be then be divided among the Whiteside County schools according to enrollment. Items will not be taxed, including groceries, medication, cars, trucks, ATVs, mobile homes, farm equipment, boats, and RVs. So 30% of it's coming from people on the outside. Why do they have to pay for our schools? Alright? So, and if we make them pay more taxes, isn't that going to make them not want to come over here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So my, but here's my thing. Is it right to nail everybody else. Is that right? Will this benefit me? Yes. I guess it would. But is it the problem today and you know the rest of it you can read doesn't say much else. But here's the thing. Most people today when they vote, it is 100% about how will this help me? Not what is right. And here's the thing most of the things they're doing are geared towards helping poor people. But here's the thing. Most people today are poor. And so if they're all voting on what's going to benefit them, then they're going to be voting for the wrong thing most of the time. And politicians know that, but that's how they want those people's votes because that's a majority of the country. And I'm included in there too. But you know what? We need to be start voting on what's right. And have a little bit of morality when it comes to this thing. Think about that stuff. And on that, if you vote for the sales tax increase, if you want to pay more in taxes, we live in America. You have every right to vote for higher taxes for yourself. You have every right to vote for politicians that will work to make you pay more in taxes. You have that right as an American. However, I don't trust what they do with the money. And I tend to vote for things, you know, I try to vote more on principle and morality. And while I would like to see my property taxes go down, I just don't think that I should make other people suffer for that. I really don't. Oh, it's just a penny every dollar. So what? All right. Is it is it stealing if you steal somebody's dollar, or is it you know still stealing if you steal only a penny? You know, I mean stealing stealing. We don't want to do that. And I know it's legal stealing, but anyway. Think about that. You know, what's when when you vote this week, think about what is right, not just what benefits me. What is the right thing to do? And I want us to look in the Bible today when it comes to governments. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this thing. Because you know what, God did ordain human government, and I'm going to read a passage to you in the Bible. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I hope you don't you know fire me as your pastor, think I'm a terrible person. But I don't really like this passage to tell you the truth. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here I don't particularly care for. However, we're not supposed to just obey the stuff that we like. 
And I'm not supposed to just preach the stuff I like. That's why we preach about a lot, lot more here than just God is love. There's a lot more. I've still got my sermon coming up. I'm excited about, about things God hates because everybody wants to talk about God's love, but God hates some things too. But let's look at First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. It says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul." Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, uh, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I want you to notice some things in there. Notice how the Bible does say, submit yourself. Every ordinance of man. It talks about you know uh, submit yourselves to you know uh, the king as supreme, and we need to remind ourselves too. In our country, we don't have a king, do we? Thankfully, all right. What is what is the supreme law of our land? It's supposed to be the Constitution, right? The Constitution, supreme law of the land. Did you know the president? He's under the authority of the Constitution. The president swears to uphold the Constitution. All of our political leaders do that. Our soldiers. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. I just want to remind everybody of that. Most people today, they don't know that and they don't know what the Constitution says. And that's why they're getting away with a lot of things they're getting away with. But uh, we are supposed to submit ourselves to that. The Bible said to even if it is a king, we're supposed, uh, we're supposed to do that. And there's a lot I could show you in that. Hopefully I'll have time to get to some of it. But I want you to notice something first in this passage. Something we need to realize when it comes to... Uh, Dealing with our government, how how we should handle it, our attitude. It says in verse eleven, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims." Okay, how many in here has ever been went outside the United States before, been into another country? Okay, now when you're in those other countries, they have different laws over there, don't they? And you obeyed those laws while you're over there, didn't you? Because that's their country, that's their laws. When you're there. You got to do what they tell you to do, don't you? And even though we don't like some of those things, and I remember when I went to Israel, there was stuff that they were saying was illegal, and I'm just like, and I'm thinking, how can they tell us this? You know why? It's not a free country over there. It's not America 
over there. And I think it would be good for every American to go visit some other countries and find out just how rotten it is out there in the world and also maybe to see where we're heading. But when you obey those laws, and you know what God said when it comes to us today here? That we are strangers and we're pilgrims. Understand, if you're a Christian today, your citizenship is in heaven. You're a child of God, but we are dwelling in this world where we're strangers, which is another term for we're like a foreigner. We're like a pilgrim. We're somebody that's passing through. We don't really belong here, but at the same time, we are here, aren't we? And so we are to submit ourselves to the authorities around us. Okay, If I get pulled over today by a policeman, I can try to tell him, hey, you know, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of God. Uh, you got to leave me alone. You know what? That's not going to work because I'm still on American soil. I'm in Rock Falls. I'm under their jurisdiction. And if he wants to write me a ticket because I broke one of the laws of this town, I'm supposed to pay that ticket biblically. Even though I don't want to, even though I might not like it, I'm supposed to submit to that. That is, unfortunately, that's what the Bible says. But we don't belong here. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. If you want to go turn over there, Matthew chapter 17. I'm covering some of the stuff in here I don't like, okay? Because it's biblical, but we're going to do it anyway. I hope that's not wrong for me to admit that, but I don't want to get up here and lie to you. But, so we're going to teach all of it. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. It says, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take customs or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto them, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast in a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money uh, that take and give unto them for me and thee. I want you to notice in that passage where Jesus talked about how you know who do they take tribute of? Their children or of strangers? Okay, the kings they didn't make their children pay taxes. They didn't make those in their family. It was the outsiders. It was it was the, it was the strangers. And Jesus Christ, who was he? Okay, he's he was God. He was the Son of God. He was the King of the Jews. However. He basically was telling Peter here, I'm tax exempt. And Jesus was tax exempt. But, lest they should be offended, go catch a fish, and there will be money in there, and go pay the taxes. And you know what? While I get aggravated with taxes probably as much as anybody else, I'm supposed to pay them. Okay? Well, even if I'm supposed to do it, I might not like it. I can come up with excuses for it. But you know what? For testimony's sake, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put up with them. You know, Jesus. If Jesus wasn't above paying taxes, if he was willing to do it, I guess I probably should too, to a certain extent, I guess. (laughs) But uh, you know, we got to do that for testimony's sake. We put up and we submit. For testimony's sake, we're not going to go run around talking about, hey, we're Christians, we're a child of the King. You know, we're, we're, you know, God has told us that one of these days we're going to rule and reign over this world. We don't do that. We follow the laws. We obey them. We pay our taxes. We do what's right. We follow the speed limits. 
We, you know, we do all we do all the things. We're not we're not above the law in this country, even though there are things that we can make some good arguments about and you know say they're wrong. We shouldn't have to do it. These are the ordinances, and for testimony's sake, we need to we need to follow those laws. But all but all but I want us to now look at something else, though, because when it comes to human government. I think it's important that we understand what God ordained, what God set up, and what God expects. Because that passage that we read in 1 Peter, talking about you know, submitting to every ordinance of man and all that, is talking about government. But I want you to notice, it, we're going to look at what it said in 1 Peter, the purpose of government, and we're going to look in the Bible when God set up human government, what the purpose of it was. And so go to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. This is... Uh, God instituted human government right after the flood. And we're only in Genesis chapter 9, but I'm just going to kind of give you a brief uh, synopsis of what has been going on. Now, you all know the story of Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? Now, God hadn't instituted human government yet. But Cain killed Abel. He murdered. Now, was Cain put to death for murdering his brother? No, he wasn't. He and God put a mark on him, didn't want anybody killing him. And then if you read the generations of Cain, when you go down about six or seven generations, there was a man named Lamech that had two wives that killed a man. And he said, if Cain should be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. He wasn't put to death either for murder. And then if you read after that a little while longer, what ended up happening in the world? The Bible says the whole world was full of violence. The whole world is full of violence. You know why it was so bad in the world? There was nothing governing the people. There was no law set up. There was no enforcement of that law. There was no punishment of evildoers going on. And it got so bad in the world, God finally destroyed the whole world with the flood. And then after the flood, in Genesis chapter 9, look at what it says. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So right here we see God, God instituted the death penalty. Okay? That, who came up with that idea? God came up with that idea. Okay, the death penalty totally biblical is biblical in the Old Testament. We'll see it's biblical in the New Testament also. But notice what government was set up for. It was set up for the punishment of evildoers, not sinners. Okay. Now, what's the difference between sin and evil? Okay, if if I think a bad thought about somebody, if when Daniel showed up today at church, I thought. I hate him. I'd like to strangle him and choke him to death. Did I sin? Yeah, I sinned. Okay, but did I do evil? No. I didn't hurt him. Should I go to jail for that thought? No, I shouldn't go to jail for that thought. Now, if I did do that, 
Okay? Evil is when you actually do harm to somebody else. There's supposed to be punishment for that type of thing. And the truth is, look how much of our, I mean, most of our government today has nothing to do with the punishment of evildoers, does it? In fact, they barely punish evildoers. The death penalty is gone in most places, and we got people getting out of prison all the time, doing the same things again that they should have been put to death for. And we have this, I mean, our justice system is a mess. I mean, just people doing the same crimes over and over again. Punishment of evildoers. And what does the government want to focus on all the time? How we can have equality on the whole earth. How we can make sure we got a level playing field. How we can make sure everything's fair. How you know not one person has more than another person. Nowhere in the Bible do you see government having anything to do with making sure everybody has the same thing. That's not anywhere in the Bible. In fact, Abraham. I want to read a portion of his um, from a speech that Abraham Lincoln made. Abraham Lincoln made this. Uh, it was in June 26th of 1857. This was before he was even president. But he said he was talking about the Declaration of Independence. So listen to what he said. He said, I think the authors of that notable instrument intended to include all men. But they did not intend to declare all men equal in all respects. They did not mean to say all were equal in color, size, intellect, moral developments, or social capacity. They defined with tolerable distinctness in what respects they did consider all men created equal equal in certain inalienable rights among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This they said and this meant. They did not mean to assert the obvious untruth that all were then actually enjoying that equality, nor yet that they were about to confer it immediately upon them. In fact, they had no power to confer such a boon. They meant simply to declare the right so that the enforcement of it might follow as fast as circumstances should permit. They meant to set up a standard maxim for, for free society, which would be familiar to all and revered by all, constantly looked to, constantly labored for, and even though never perfectly attained, constantly approximated, and thereby constantly spreading and deepening its influence and augmenting the happiness and value of life to all people of all colors everywhere, this assertion that all men are created equal was of no practical use in effecting our separation from Great Britain, and it was placed in the Declaration, nor for that, but for further or future use. You know what he was saying there? Because people, they love to bring out how evil America is because you know, even those founding fathers, they believed that those ones that wrote the Constitution, they believed in slavery. Not necessarily. That was their... They didn't believe the government had the power to just get rid of that right away. But they did declare the right for that all were created equal with the certain unalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And it was their hope and it was their goal that eventually that would happen. And you know what? It did happen, didn't it? We did, thankfully. You know, we got rid of slavery and we've, you know, we've definitely made a lot of progress in some areas in this country. But when it comes to equality, it's not about everybody having the same thing. That Nowhere in the Bible can you find that the government is supposed to have any part in just being the fair police. And making sure everybody has the same thing. God set it up for the punishment of evildoers. Governments, or we'll go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. 
in verse 12. Because this said, you know, people love this, you know, people that love government, they love this passage where it talks about submitting yourself to every ordinance of man. And it says in verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. It mentions it there. It's to punish evildoers. We need to have something in this country that if somebody's out there killing people, that we have a way to go after them. And we have a way to stop them from doing evil. Stop them from being bringing harm to other people. And that governments are supposed to be feared by those that are doing evil. Not by those who are being protected. And yet, look how many people today are scared of our government, and rightfully so. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's pretty strong about a language about obeying the higher powers. And then look at this. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. And listen to this, verse 4, if you don't think the death penalty is something that's supposed to go on in the New Testament era, it says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. What do you think he's wanting to use that sword for? Just to wave in his face? And to threaten him with? And say, look how sharp this is? No. He's going to use that sword when somebody does evil. And you know what the Bible says about the executioner here? He's a minister to God. He's a minister to God. The people that enforce these laws, they are a minister to God. For this cause, for this cause, pay ye tribute. This is why we pay taxes. So we can have people out there that will punish the evildoers. For this cause, pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So I mean, pretty clear there in the Bible. Hey, this is why you're, this, for this cause, pay ye tribute. Why do I have to pay taxes? So they can go punish evildoers. Alright, that, that's why. Not so we can make everything fair in the world and we can all have the same thing. It's for the punishment of evildoers. So, nowhere do you see people in the Bible being paid for doing nothing. Nowhere. That, you, you can't find that. Uh, it's not in our founding documents. Nowhere. But our leaders also, and this is biblical too, our leaders are supposed to be chosen by the people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And let me tell you, when you read the Bible and what government was all about, and when you look at the way our founding fathers set up our government, they're pretty close to the same thing. 
the way it was set up because they attempted and they tried to do things biblically the best they could. And so we're so far from it now, it's not even funny. But look at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, um, How can I myself alone bear your cumbrance, talking about Moses, and your burden and your strife? Moses, he couldn't run all these people. Some say that there was probably around 2 million at this time. And Moses, he couldn't handle all their problems. He couldn't do everything for them. How can I bear your cumbrance alone? Take you, wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. I want you to notice first here that one was not to rule over all. While they did have kings in the Bible, we don't have time to go into it, God never intended for Israel to have a king. He didn't. They God set judges over them, but the, you know what? The children of Israel said, "Let's be like all the other nations. Give us a king." And God gave them. A, God said, "Okay, fine." And He told Samuel, He said, "Warn them. If we put a king over them, he's gonna he's gonna tax them. He's gonna take their possessions. He's gonna take their sons to fight in wars." I mean, he, God told them all the things that would happen if they got a king, and it all happened to them. But they said, "Give us a king anyway." And thank God we don't have a king in America and we don't want one. We do not want a king at all. But Because one is not to rule over many. There was too many there and there wasn't supposed to be just one guy in charge. And then, notice in verse 13 and 14, that people, they were supposed to choose people, said, choose people from among your tribes, known among your people. They were supposed to pick people from their areas, that from their own tribes, that the people knew who they were. Honest men. People that had a good testimony. They knew, hey, this is somebody we can trust. Somebody we can count on. I mean, out of, I get, you know what? There is not one person, not one person on the ballot. I've got a sample ballot in my office that I've ever even laid eyes on. Not one. You know, these, I think half the time they try to go into hiding. You know, I don't know whether these people, and then the ones that I do know stuff about, what I know is not good. Okay, and you know where I know most of the stuff about them? I went on their own websites and I looked at what they said about themselves. I could care less what the other candidate says about them because politicians lie and they fling mud and they all do the smear stuff. I went on their own websites and looked at what they said about themselves and what they said about themselves was horrible. I cannot believe Nearly everyone running, Republican and Democrat, are all for abortion. I can't believe it. It it makes me sick that people think it's okay to take a human life I mean, just because it's still inside the mother's womb. And then they call it women's rights and act like we're sexist and we are against women if we're for that when abortion, it it takes a human life and it does, there's terrible consequences many times, to the woman. It's ridiculous, but that's that's who's on these ballots. It, it, I mean, I just wanted to throw up when I was reading what these people said about themselves on their own website. I just I could I could not believe it. But you know, what? it's supposed to be people that are they're honest, they're known among the people that the people choose. Look how many people we have in leadership in high places that we did not elect, that we didn't choose. For example. Some of the most powerful people in our country today, judges. Those Supreme Court justices that we have. Some of the most powerful people in the country. Nine of them. 
for this whole country. And you know what? We didn't elect any of them, did we? They were all appointed. Lifetime appointments. We can't even vote them out. In the Bible, they chose the judges. And we do. We still do locally, but for some reason, the Supreme Court, we don't get to vote on those people. And most people are okay with that. We'll let the President pick them. No, no, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Nine, and they're overruling things all the time. Several states, the Supreme Court just made a law in all these states that had states that had voted against gay marriage. They struck it down. No, nope. you got to let these states do that. I mean, how wicked, how unconstitutional, how unbiblical. I mean, it's ridiculous. But that is what we live in. It's not the way God set it up. Also, uh, you know, the leaders. Look at verse fifteen of Deuteronomy one. It says, "So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men and known, made them heads over you, captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, captains over fifties, captains over tens, and officers among your tribes." These leaders weren't supposed to be over extremely large groups. The biggest group was thousands. Okay, not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands. Not millions. Because you know what? Power corrupts, doesn't it? Power corrupts so easily. We see it all the time. And God didn't want one person being over this massive group. That power could go to their head. It's only going to cause problems. And so God said, most rulers over thousands. They had enough people there. There could have been rulers over tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even a million. But no. God didn't do it that way. Having more like that it made that more accountability. It made things better. It made it less likely for the power to go to their head and for them to get corrupted. But these leaders, they were supposed to judge righteously and without partiality. Look at verse 16. It says, "...and I charge your judges at that time..." These judges that they picked, that they chose... Wise men, known among the people, at that time saying, Hear the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between every man his brother and the stranger that is with him. Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, talking about Moses, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things which he should do. Well, let me ask you a question. In our country today, when it comes to the court system, we talked about this in Sunday school a little bit, who do you think gets better treatment? The guy who gets the public defender or the person who can afford to pay a dream team of lawyers? All right, look look how fast these little people that you don't know about. I mean, their their trials like a week Sometimes you know. Sometimes these people they'll sit in prison for over a year waiting for their trial, even though the Constitution it talks about you know having a quick and speedy trial with the jury of your peers. They'll still make them sit in jail for over a year. But when it's high profile, when it's a big name, when it's somebody with a lot of money, well, their trial's not going it, to. It'll come up quick, but it's not going to go fast at all. If it does, if it does get delayed, it's because he's not in jail waiting. He's out on bail. He's out living his life, and he'll stall it off as long as he can because he's got these lawyers that know how to use the system. And we've seen it all. And I'm telling you, that is wrong. 
It Bible says judges are not supposed to have partiality. It shouldn't matter if it's a rich, famous person or a poor nobody. They are supposed to be judge the exact same. But we see people all the time. A nobody kills somebody. They get life in prison. Big name. 20 years. They get the lesser sentence. And why is it? Why is it? Because they had good lawyers. Well, why did they have good lawyers? Because they had the money. And too much in our legal system. It's all about who has the most money. When it comes to elections today, who usually wins the election? The one who spent the most money. That's one of the. I mean, us normal people, we're going to have a hard time getting anywhere. We can't. We can't afford it. We don't have that kind of money to back us up. But yet, in the Bible, there was not supposed to be partiality there. It didn't matter, rich, poor. But governments. They're going to get things wrong. Okay? God never said governments would be perfect. They're going to get things wrong. And we see in 1 Peter 2 18 through 25, we don't have time to go through it. But you know what? If you suffer wrongfully, do it with a good attitude. I challenge you to read verse 18 through 25. We're supposed to put up that, put up with it. We're supposed to have patience. Revelation 13 10 talks about here is the patience of the patience of the saints. Uh, someday, people are going to be putting Christians are going to be being put to death for not listening to the government. And you know what? According to the Bible, we're supposed to have patience. You know what that means? We're going to have we're going to have to take it. We're going to have to be put to death. Now we are allowed to run, okay? We're going to see that here in a second. You are allowed to run, uh thankfully. Uh but at the same time if they catch us, you know, we're not going to go you know, I'm not going to get a bullhorn marching around on my rights, you know. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not not against that. But you know, you know why I hate protesting? Because most things that are being protested are stupid, and you know most most protesters you see out there are always wrong. And I don't know. I just like to find a better way to do it because it's it's crazy out there. But listen, God will eventually make things right. But in the meantime, we may have to suffer. Suffer in Revelation chapter fourteen and verse nine through twelve. It says, "And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, to receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they which keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You know who those pe- most of those people are dead. Because they are put to death for their faith. That, I'm telling you right now, I believe in my lifetime, I will see Christians being put to death for the sake of Christ in America. I believe I will. I believe we're heading that way. We're on a horrible path. It's going to happen. We see it in the Bible. But I believe I'll see it in my lifetime. I believe my kids for sure will see it. So when it comes to the government, when is it? when do we not have to listen? And simply, because we are when we listen, we listen as to listening to God. Governments cross the line when they ask us to disobey or tell us we can't obey the Word of God. They can't make us do that. See, our ultimate authority is the Bible. Okay? And then right under that, for us, I guess you could say, is the Constitution of the United States. That, those are, are the authorities. And the Constitution of the United States won't ask you to uh, disobey the Bible. 
It recognized the Creator. It recognized God as the authority. But look at just real quick, Paul. Did you know he, he ran from the government when it was illegal? Remember when they let him down over the wall over the basket? What was he doing? He was escaping. Why? Because they were wanting to throw him into jail. And he hadn't done anything wrong. So you're allowed to run. Thank God. David ran from King Saul. But he wouldn't assassinate him when he had the chance. Okay. Well, I don't like our government and our leaders. I'm not going to go blow up government buildings. I'm not going to try to assassinate them. But if they try to get me to do something wrong, I'm going to run. I'm going to, I'm going to run for sure. I have a right to do that. Moses' parents... They didn't obey the law when Pharaoh said they had to kill their son, did they? They kind of obeyed the law. They put him in the river, didn't they? But they put him in an ark that she made out of bulrushes. Joseph and Mary, they ran from the government when Herod made a law that all the Hebrew children, boys that were born were to be killed. They ran from the government, didn't they? They hid Jesus Christ. They were fugitives. But they were right. The government cannot ask us to disobey the Bible. Now, it can ask us to do some things that aren't... If they make a law say we can't spit on the sidewalk, well, you know what? That's not violating anything in the Bible. Okay. Well, I think that's a waste of a law. Well, I guess we ought to obey that one. We're not commanded to spit on the sidewalk, are we? Now, if they want to make a law saying you've got to drive a certain speed limit, nowhere in the Bible does it say you know, where thou hast to go, go as fast as... An automobile can take thee. It doesn't say that. So, we got to obey the speed limits. But when they start making laws that tell us that we can't do something the Bible says to do, we don't have to listen. And there's going to be plenty of things that our government does that we're not going to like, but we need to be sure we choose our battles wisely. And we also need to make sure in the meantime, while we still have freedom and a voice, that we take advantage of it. And we do what we can to get the Word of God out, try to make a difference because the day is coming where it may cost you your life. And if you won't do right now, you're not going to do right then. And so, I hope this maybe So there's a lot more we could have looked at, but it gives you an idea of what God expects from government. It is not about fairness. It's about, not about making sure everybody has health care. Okay? The, that is not what they're there for. And the Bible is for the punishment of evildoers. Now, they made this stupid law. Okay, They made the stupid law. We're not violating anything in the Bible. I guess if you go and you get insurance because they made a law and you don't want to pay the fine, you're not disobeying the Bible. But understand when it comes to your voting that you think about stuff like that. That you know what? It's not right for them to force this type of thing on people. They have no business doing that. The government... I would love to hear... I will vote for this candidate. I will campaign for the first candidate that I hear. That when they come to him and say, you know, what are you going to do you know, to make sure that every woman has birth control or something? I would just love to hear that candidate say, absolutely nothing. If they want to get it, they can get it themselves. Man, I'd be all excited if I heard somebody do that. What are you going to do to make sure... Everybody has a meal on their table tonight for supper at six o'clock. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> hey, you know we're going to have laws of freedom, so if people want to go out and work, but that's up to the fathers. God says if a man doesn't provide for his own house, he's denied faith and worse than an infidel. Not if the government doesn't provide. You know, and so keep that in mind. That is what God. That's what God set up, and that's what we need. So let's all stand together this morning.